Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. In some ways, we're finishing up the series that we started a few weeks ago called He Shall Be Called. Uh, It's based on Isaiah 9, 6, and we've walked through the names, uh, the words used to describe the coming Messiah. Uh, that Isaiah uses, and today we're going to wrap up the fourth of those, but we're actually going to be talking more about Isaiah 9-6 uh, this, this, uh, tomorrow and Tuesday in our Christmas Eve services, um, just tying this, this passage up and what it means to us. Uh, but what we've been doing over the last few weeks is just walking through the different names. And Isaiah 9-6, prophet Isaiah is speaking, God's speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel, to the people of Judah, and he says this, for to us a child is born, To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And over the last few weeks, we've gone through uh, the context of Wonderful Counselor and what that means, and Mighty God. Last week, we talked about Everlasting Father, and this week, we're going to talk about Prince of Peace. The word prince here, it's a Hebrew word, and it's sar, S-A-R, and it means ruler of one who has dominion over. And so when we look at this, we have to know, we, we can take some comfort in the fact that the God we serve is the God who is over. He rules over. He has dominion over all peace. And if we're here today, and if we're going to be honest, if I asked you, is there anybody here who needs a little more peace in your life? Probably everyone would respond in the affirmative. Everyone would say, yes, I need more peace. Uh, especially the time of year in the year that we're in today, we got Christmas parties and gatherings with family and friends and all this kind of stuff going on. And I know what's happening because you're going to go see some family and you're going to have your safe word, your code word, right? And you're telling your family, if you hear the word whippoorwill, it means we got to get out of here right now, right? So you're sipping on your eggnog and somebody starts talking politics and you're like, whippoorwill, whippoorwill, right? We are departing now. What are you saying? Like, I don't want this. I need some peace. I need some quiet. I need to get away from this. And the truth is, all of us need more peace in our lives. And the thing I love about this is that Jesus is the prince, the ruler. He has dominion over all peace. All peace that is found in this world is ultimately found through Christ. There is no peace except through him. So this word prince, sar, and we look at the word peace, and we've talked about this in the past, and this is probably my favorite of all, all the Hebrew words that we can find is the word shalom, and it's a word that we've heard in our context and our culture some, uh, but it means peace. Now, it's literally translated in a difficult way because it has so many meanings, and it's so broad that for us, it's hard to pin down exactly what it means. Uh, one of the ways that it's translated in the most narrowest sense is uh, a lack of war. So it's, it's peace from war. So we think about it as a lack of conflict. If there's no conflict, we're at peace. Um, and the Greek term that's used for peace more closely aligns with this narrow Hebrew word. Uh, and, and the Greek word is irene. And we see this used throughout the New Testament. But the word irene means a national, uh, the state of national tranquility, an exemption from the rage and havoc of war. Now, I know that in this room there are people who 
have served our military and they've served this nation and maybe you've served in armed conflicts overseas, in war overseas, and you understand the havoc of war. You understand the, the rage of war. And so not having that, being able to come home, you understand what it's like to, to not have that in your life. And so this is what we think of many times when we think of the word peace. Uh, and, and this is definitely true, but it doesn't encompass all it means. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Ephesian church and the Ephesian church was having an issue because there was a conflict in the church. Can you believe that there was a conflict in churches? I've never heard of such a thing. It just happened in the back in the old days. It doesn't happen anymore, right? So there's this conflict in the church, and the conflict was between uh, Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And, and the conflict largely stemmed from this misunderstanding of, uh, well, do Gentiles need to convert to Judaism in order to follow Jesus? Because the idea at that time was that, that Christianity was just a sect of Judaism. And so there was confusion over how to worship and what, and what that was supposed to look like. And well, they're not enough like us and they're not trying to follow the rules. And so there's conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles within the church. There's a problem, and so Paul's writing to the Ephesian church, and he says this to them in verse 14 of Ephesians 2. He says, for he himself, talking about Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. So what he's saying is this. He's saying, in Christ, there is no longer Gentile and Jew. In Christ, because he has laid down his life in his flesh, in his body, he was killed, buried, resurrected. All of that, what it did is it abolishes, it breaks down the dividing wall between us. So now there is no longer separation between us. We are one in Christ. So what he's saying in the body of Christ, in the church, there should not be dividing walls because whatever separates us, whatever differentiates us, whether we are Republican or Democrat or black or white or male or female, no matter what it is, all those things go away because of Christ. He is our peace. So he embodies the peace that we're looking for. So that external conflict should end if we're followers of Christ. Now, we are still going to have conflict because we're human beings. But what it means is that conflict should be minimized. It should end quickly because we are submitted to Christ. We love Jesus. That's who he is. He is our peace. Paul goes on to say in Galatians chapter 3, he's talking about in the body of Christ, there is no, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying is there is no hierarchy in the church that we are one because of what Christ has done. He is our peace. He is the one who can squash all the conflict if we'll simply trust him. And again, think about the conflicts you've seen in churches. If we would just understand that no matter what the color of the carpet is, no matter what songs we sing, Jesus is Lord, that he is the one who unites us, it breaks down the walls of division among us. But what happens is we fail to declare him as Lord. We, we wanna fight our fight, we wanna win our battles, and as a result, there is no peace. There's a passage in Luke chapter two in the nativity story that you're probably familiar with even if you weren't raised in church. There, there's a story about the birth of Jesus and 
and hailing the birth of Jesus was an angel in the field. And he, he, he heralds this to shepherds, lowly shepherds in the field who are keeping watch over their flock by night. And if you've ever been to a Christmas pageant before with little kids, you've probably seen some child in a bathrobe with, uh, right, you know what I'm talking about, with a little sheep or a stuffed animal. And there's an angel and they, they use this verse. And so what happens is an angel of the Lord shows up to the shepherds. He declares that Jesus is born. And then it says in verse 13 of Luke 2, and suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Now, if you remember the, if you remember what you've heard before, what you typically hear is uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men which is accurate, but when we hear it like that, it's not as specific. So when we hear it like that, it seems to indicate that God just has goodwill toward everybody and he just loves everybody, he's for everybody and it's all good, don't you worry. And there is some truth to that, but if you look at a more literal translation, it reads like what we read today, and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. So what the angels are saying is, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those with with whom he's pleased. What they're saying is there's peace available in this Messiah for those who please God. So this peace is not for everybody. This peace is for those who, who please God. How do you please God? Scripture tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And this is not faith that you're gonna win the lotto. It's not faith that you're gonna have a good day. It's faith in Christ. So when we put our faith in Christ, it pleases God. And what we see here is there's peace available to all who please God by putting their faith in this Messiah who was announced this day. So what we see is glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Now, I wanna read a passage of scripture to you that we don't normally read at this time of year. Um, It doesn't feel the most friendly at times. And uh, does it make you nervous And if I giggle a little before I read a passage of scripture to you? (laughs) This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 51. He says this, do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Wait, what? (laughs) What, what, what What did he say there? I thought Jesus came to give us peace on earth. But Jesus just said, no, I came to bring division, which seems to be the opposite of peace on earth, right? Let me explain it to you this way. What Jesus is saying is, and in this context, and you can go and read this passage, it's it's in um, Luke chapter 12. So in Luke chapter 12, he's describing to his followers what it will be like when they follow him. When they choose the path of the Messiah, this is This is what you're gonna encounter. And what he says is, hey, you think that you're gonna have peace if you follow me. You think your life is gonna be perfect if you follow me, but I've got bad news for you. There's gonna be conflict in your life because there's gonna be people who don't like what you believe and they don't like your values and they don't like the way you live and they don't like your savior. So guess what? You're gonna have some conflict. You're gonna have some division in your life. There are gonna be people who don't like you just because you go to church, just because you're my follower.
Jim, you know what that is? It's not annoying, don't worry. Yeah, don't clap for him, I don't think he fixed it. I think, I think he was dying out already. Let's rewind. So what Jesus is saying here is, if you're my follower, you're gonna have conflict in your life. There's gonna be division in your life. And if you actually read the verse after verse 51, what, what Jesus says is, hey, there's gonna be division in your home because of your faith in me. And some of you are here, you understand that because you were raised a certain way and when you started attending this church and you really committed your life to Christ, you had family members who thought you're crazy. They thought you joined a cult. They thought something, you'd gone off the deep end and it caused some conflict in your life. Um, so in our community, I don't normally lead with the fact that I'm the pastor of Summit Church when I meet somebody. Hi, pastor of Summit Church, the name's Mel Massengale, pleasure to meet you. Like, that's not how it works. I usually will, I'll talk to somebody, get to know them a little bit, and then eventually it will come out in conversation. And when it eventually comes out in conversation, it's crazy, because we'll have this moment where I'll go, well, what do you do for a living? Oh, I work at the bank, and I do da 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 Oh, that's awesome, that's, how long you been doing that? Oh, for, what about you, what do you do? Oh, I work at a church. Oh, that's cool. What church? Summit Church. Oh, what do you do over there? Well, I'm a pastor at Summit. Really? What kind of pastor are you? Are you the pastor? No, I'm, I'm the pastor. You're the pastor? You're the main pastor? Yeah. And then there's this moment that like freezes in time where you can see in their mind where they're replaying our whole conversation, trying to figure out what they need to apologize for, right? Like, <laughs> What did I say? Like, oh my gosh, did I, did I cuss? Like, oh no, like, like, like you can see it, like the wheels are turning in their mind. And then it gets a little bit awkward, like, well, you know, I've, I mean, I'm for God, I like, like go church, I'm, I'm good with church. I, I think people should go to church, church is good. And, and I mean, I don't always go, I need to go, oh, I'll go to sometime, oh, maybe I'll come check out your church sometime, Reverend. It's like, well, okay, thanks, I appreciate that. But, but it just gets awkward in that moment. Like there's some tension because there's, there's a difference between the way I live and someone else lives and they know it. And I don't have to preach to them to tell them that. I don't have to tell them you're a sinner and you're going to hell. I don't have to do anything like that. I just live my life. I try to be a godly witness, a godly influence. And there's a difference and it creates tension. And what Jesus is saying is if you do what I'm asking you to do, there's gonna be tension in your life. There's gonna be division. There's gonna be conflict. It will be part of your life. So how do we reconcile that where, where the angel of the Lord says, peace on earth to whom with, he's, with whom he's well pleased? How do we reconcile that? Well, the way we reconcile that is understanding that Jesus wants us to experience peace, but this idea of peace cannot be limited to this idea of external conflict and war. So when we look at the, the Hebrew word for shalom, one little part of it means peace from war, but the rest of it is much broader. It's multifaceted. And what it means is completeness or completeness in number. It means wholeness, safety, soundness, Health, it means all these things. There were some facilities, buildings we've looked at in Blairsville that I would say, man, we passed on because they weren't very sound. They were kind of unstable. And the truth is some of us in this place, we don't have peace in our lives because we're a little bit unsound, we're a little bit unstable. I love this idea of wholeness, lacking nothing. 
or completeness in number. When I was a youth pastor years ago, and we would take kids on a trip, and we would leave the church, and I would count them up. I'd go, one, two, three, four, nine. okay, we got 13 kids, and my goal was to make it home with 13 kids. I don't even care if they're the same kids. I just need to make it home with 13 of them. And the parents picking up their kids, and they're like, this isn't my kid, and they're like, it is now, you upgraded. Like, well done, right? But this is the thing. If I would have made it home with 12 kids instead of 13, it would have been incomplete, wouldn't it? It, it, would have, it would have been lacking something. And for some of us, we wonder why we can't find rest, why we can't sleep at night. We can't, we can't figure out why we feel like we're in constant turmoil, why there's tension in our hearts, why we have high blood pressure, why all these things are happening. And I'm telling you today, maybe it's because you don't have peace. Maybe it's because there's something lacking in you. And you think peace is a lack of conflict around you, but the truth is, peace is really a lack of conflict within you. So when we lack something, when there's something missing, when the puzzle is complete except for a piece or two, it's not complete. And many of us live our lives this way, that we are incomplete, there's a lack of wholeness, there is no soundness, there's no health, because something is missing, something's not right. In James chapter four, verse one, it says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? What we see here is that the, the conflict outside of us, that's around us, is a symptom of the conflict that's in us. So when my heart is conflicted, when my heart is not healthy, I will begin to see conflict manifest around me. When there's drama in me, there's drama out me. Does that make sense? So when my heart is not whole, all of a sudden the people around me, it begins creating problems and issues. When there's no peace in me, there's no peace outside of me either. Uh, I am not really a math guy. I don't love math. Main reason I went to Bible college is they didn't require me to take math to be a, a pastor. I was like, yes, God must be calling me to ministry. <laughs> I'm just kidding, by the way. Uh, so this is something I do understand. In mathematics, fractions divide a whole number. And whole numbers multiply whole numbers. Uh, back in the month of October, we talked about uh, th this principle um, from scripture, it's the, it's the story of the prodigal son. And this, I mean, I'm sorry, not the prodigal son, the parable of the talents. So the, the talents, uh, this rich man, he gives money to three of his servants and two of his servants are faithful and they multiply what the master's given them. And one of the faithful, uh, one of the servants is unfaithful. He buries the talent. And when, this, when the master comes back, he rewards the faithful servants because they've multiplied what they were given. And he punishes the, the unfaithful servant, the one who's buried what he was given, and he calls him lazy and wicked. And what I've realized, and we talked about this, is that sometimes what we call faithfulness is really an excuse for us to be lazy and wicked. And this is what God convicted me of, and this is one of the reasons I feel like God has called us not just to be a gathering church, but a sending church. He wants us to be a multiplying church, that we are helping you multiply your life and multiply your influence and become the leader and the person that God's called you to be. And this is why we're starting Blairsville. This is why we're looking at other locations and other communities and trying to do what God's called us to do because God wants a people that will be a multiplying people. 
The world needs churches and people and believers who will be multipliers. But we can't be multipliers if we're not whole. If our hearts and souls are fractions. If we're incomplete, we can never multiply the way God wants us to multiply. Have you ever heard the phrase, there's no rest for the wicked? Can I tell you something? Your grandma did not make that up. Did you know that? It's actually from scripture, Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. There is no shalom. There is no wholeness. There is no completeness for those whose hearts are wicked. So, so maybe you're here today and you're recognizing there's a lack of peace in your life that you would like to have. And one of the reasons may be you're living at your plan instead of God's plan for your life. Maybe you've been in rebellion about, about what God is calling you to do and who he's calling you to be and you're doing your own thing and you think you're gonna find peace in that but the truth is you will not. Because sometimes we think, if I can just get ahead on my job, if I can just make a little more, if I can just get the better house, if I can just accumulate or get or achieve or whatever it might be, then I'll have peace and you will never find it. The only place we find peace is in Christ. And what God says is, if your heart is away from God, is rebellious toward God, doing your own thing, you're never, ever, ever gonna find completeness, wholeness, health. Shalom, you're never gonna find it. See, to us, peace is, not, is us not being in conflict, but shalom is conflict not being in us. Isaiah 48, verse 17, says this. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So he identifies himself, this is who I am. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. And then verse 18, he, he laments and says, Oh, that you had paid attention to my commands. And your peace, then your peace would have been like a river. And your righteousness like waves of the ocean. He says, I'm the Lord your God. I'm the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. This is who I am. And then he says, I'm the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. Now, this is not like some course you take. To, to sell, to sell you know, real estate, that's not what this is. What God is saying very literally is, I bring value to your life. I bring profit to your life. Your life is better because I'm in it, because you allow me to be Lord. So he says, this is who I am. I'm, I'm helping you to make you better. And then he says, oh, that you would have heeded my commandments. If you would have just done what I asked you to do. Man, the, the peace you could have experienced, it, it's like a, a river. That's how abundant the peace I have for you is if you would have just paid attention to my commandments. And there are people sitting in this room, there are people listening to this message right now that, that you would kill for a drop of peace in your life. But yet God says it's available to you if you just heed my commandments, if you just do what I asked you to do. There is a, literally a river of peace available for you. But yet we do what we want to do. We, we live according to our own plan instead of God's plan. We live according to our commandments instead of God's commandments. So, so one of the reasons maybe you're here today and you're struggling with a lack of peace, it might be because you're living in a way that's contrary to what God's got for you. And this is a moment 
when you're driving your car, I don't know if you know this, when the check engine light comes on, it's important to check your engine. Did you know that? See, you, you could avoid it if you wanted to. You could put a piece of tape over it. You wouldn't even see it anymore. And then, then when the engine starts making noise, you know how you fix that? You just turn the radio up. Fantastic. I don't even know this stuff's going on in my car. And this is the thing. If you lack peace in your life, this is like your spiritual check engine light coming on. It flicks on. But what happens is we ignore it. We act like it's not there. We, we try to come up with ways to fix it ourselves. But there's no way to fix it ourselves. Can you fix that yourself? <laughs> you get to see how the sausage is made today. Todd fixed that one. Good job, Todd. Well done, good and faithful servant. So when we lack peace in our lives, it's a check engine light for us. And we can ignore it. We can act like it's not there. We can pretend like everything's going to be okay. But if we don't pay attention to it, at some point, it's going to lead us to disaster. Psalm 120 verse 6 says this, too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. The psalmist comes to this point and he realizes, hey, maybe Part of the reason I don't have peace in my life is because I've surrounded myself with people who hate peace. Did you know there's people who hate peace? There's people who love drama. Did you know that? And this is what I would tell you. If you wake up one day and you realize that all the people around you love drama, it's probably because you love drama. Because we attract what we are. If you realize that all the people around you are dysfunctional in their relationships, it might mean you're dysfunctional in your relationships because we attract what we are. And I think the psalmist, he had this epiphany. He wakes up one day and goes, wait a second. All the people around me hate, uh, they hate peace. So if I want peace, maybe I need to make a change. Maybe there's some relationships that need to shift in my life. Maybe there's somebody that needs to be out that has been in. So, so maybe I need to do something different. And maybe today, if you're struggling with peace in your life, it might be a relationship issue. You, you might need to say, you know what? Um, this relationship, it sucks the peace out of my life. This person hates peace. So maybe I need to give them a little less access than I've given them before. Maybe I need to limit their influence in my life. Maybe I need to cut them off entirely. That's up to you. But you need to make a decision. Do I want this relationship more than I want peace? Because the psalmist said, Hey, I'm done with this. Too long have I had my dwelling, have I made my house, is what it's saying, among those who hate peace. Isaiah 26.3 says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Romans 15.13 says this, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now joy and peace are peripheral in this passage. It's primarily about hope. But what we see here is this, that the God of all hope will fill you with joy and peace and believing. Joy and peace and believing in Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus, there's a joy and peace that are evident there. That, that are realized in that moment that we can't find any other place. 
There's a joy and peace found there that every other joy and peace in our life is circumstantial. Did I get the raise? Is my wife happy with me? Do my kids think I'm cool right now? Whatever it might be, all those things are circumstantial. But our salvation is not circumstantial. So when we find joy and peace in our salvation, it is a, salva- it is a joy and peace that will last. Isaiah 32 says this, in verse 17, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation and secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. So if I can restate verse 17 a little bit, what it's saying, this, this word effect, it says the effect of righteousness, and this word effect can be interpreted in a number of different ways. So let me, let me just simplify this. What it's saying is as the righteousness of God works in our lives, the effect or fruit of that righteousness is shalom. So as we submit ourselves to God and, and trust him, his righteousness will cover us and begin to work in us, and the natural byproduct of that is shalom, is wholeness, is completion, is peace in our lives. It goes on to say that the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever, that, that this This peace produces quietness and trust that's perpetual in the Lord. Now the word quietness here is a word I love. In the Hebrew, it's shakat. And shakat means to quiet or be quiet. Um, Do any of you, maybe you're like me, and sometimes your mouth gets you into trouble. Is anybody else like that? A few of you? Okay. Sometimes I talk when I shouldn't. (laughs) <laughs> it's probably the nice way of saying that. My mouth gets me into trouble. There are times that I need to be quiet that I'm not quiet, that I say things I shouldn't. I get agitated, irritated, frustrated, whatever, and it spills out. So the, the, the lack of peace in me comes out of me, and it causes conflict with people around me because I can say some stupid things. They're hilarious, but they're still stupid. I shouldn't say them. <laughs> I can justify because like, well, it's funny, but it still is probably not right for me to say some of the things I say. So I have to watch my mouth. But what happens is I forfeit my own peace because of something I've said, because I just won't be quiet. I won't shut my mouth. So because of that, I forfeit peace in my life. Sometimes I respond negatively. I say something I shouldn't. Sometimes it's simply that I'm talking when I need to be listening to God that I talk so much I can't hear the voice of God in my life. So so what we see here is this idea that that true peace will produce quietness in my life where I'm just gonna be quiet. If I'm really at peace, if my heart is really complete and whole, there are times that I wanna defend myself that I don't need to if I'm really at peace. I can say, you know what, that's good. God bless you. So sometimes I just need to shut my mouth. But... What we also see is that it doesn't just mean to be quiet, it means be quieted. So so what we see is there are times when God will quiet us. And it doesn't mean he shuts us down. Like when I was in church and when I was little and I would be acting up or talking and my mom was in the choir and my mom would just look at me like laser beam eyes, like like zero in on me and you could feel it. And that was her saying, you better shut your mouth or I'm going to whoop you when I get there. Like, okay, you don't have to say anything, like be quiet. That's not what our Heavenly Father does. What our Heavenly Father does, it's more akin to if your child is crying in the middle of the night, maybe you've got a newborn and you understand this, and your child's crying in the middle of the night, you know what happens, right? The parents lay 
perfectly still in the bed, hoping the other one will <laughs> rustle first. You just lay there, you don't even breathe, you just kind of peek over, like maybe, maybe they'll get up if I just lay here long enough. And finally somebody caves and gets up and goes check on the baby. And so what you do is you go in and check on the baby. And, and you don't go in, you begin berating the baby for crying, right? What in the world are you doing, baby? No. A good father, by the way, if you do that, you shouldn't anymore. Well, what do you do? You go in, you check on the baby, you check and see, does the baby need their diaper changed? Does the baby need to eat? Is there a need the baby has? I want to meet the need. And if that's the case, maybe the baby just needs to be soothed. It needs to be quieted. And so when my girls were little, um, I'd read all the stuff. And one of the things I'd read was that um, a, a good way to hold your child is have their head near your heart because especially when they're little, they will, they will sense your heartbeat and that soothes them, it calms them. And so when my girls were real little, I would, I would get them up and I would hold them real close and I'd put them right here and I would let them hear my heartbeat and let them feel maybe that would soothe them a little bit. And, and I, wanna give you, I wanna give you some help today. So if you're a, a, young, a young dad, um, I wanna give you some feedback. So what you do is you get your feet about shoulder width apart you got to get a good rocking stance when you pick your baby up. And you pick the baby up, you put her here in your arm, and your head's here next to your heart. And you've got a couple of techniques you can do. I uh, would alternate. I would do um, the, 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 the spin. So I would do this sometimes. Good, even motion. You don't want to over-rotate too far one way or the other. And the, the, you slow down, the more tired they get. You can slow it down. Now, so this is... You can rotate, you can spin, or you can also sway. So same feet, but instead of spinning, you sway. So rock back and forth. This is like, you know, this is like the ocean here. We're on a ship. This is what we got. If you're really advanced, you can combine them. You can do the spin and sway. You can do both. I'm just trying to help some people out here. So the point of this exercise is that I would try to calm my girls. A lot of times, I, I would, I, I'd read that if you shh a child, and you shh, 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 what it does is it actually simulates some of the noises they hear in utero, and it can be calming for them. So this white noise they hear, uh, it can calm them because it reminds them of being in the womb. And so I'd pull my babies close, and I'd shh, 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 shh and I'd rock them. I'd eventually get them back to sleep. I'd eventually get them calmed because this is what the father does. This is what a good mom does. And this is what our heavenly father does for us at times because there's something going on in our life. There's problems, there's issues, there, there's conflict, there's things going on in our heart and we're freaking out and God comes to us and goes, no, 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 let me hold you, let me pull you close. See, as our girls got older, you know, and was five, six, I wouldn't scoop her up in my arms. It'd be a little more awkward. I definitely wouldn't do it today. She's 14. She's like hanging on. I'm like, shh, 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 right? It wouldn't work. But I do the same thing today. I calm her. She's freaking out about something. She's got something going on in her life. And I'm going to say, baby, it's going to be okay. Baby, we'll take care of this. We got this. Don't you worry. Well, we're going to get through this. And what am I doing? I'm, I'm calming her. I'm, I'm quieting her. She's got something going on in her heart and her spirit, and I'm trying to quiet that moment. That's what a father does. And what we see here is this is what our Heavenly Father does. He quiets us. He comes alongside us, and he says, don't worry, Daddy's got this. Don't worry. We got this under control. Whatever's going on in you, don't worry. This is going to work out, I promise. This is who our Father is.
Verse 18 says, my people will abide in a peaceful habitation in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. This word habitation, it's the word uh, naveh, and it's N-A-V-E-H. And what it means is, it's literally translated most of the time as, or it's translated most of the time as uh, the tabernacle. But what it, the literal translation is, is uh, the dwelling place of the sheep and shepherd, which I love, because Jesus describes himself as a good shepherd. And a good shepherd provides for his flock. A good shepherd uh, will take care of their needs. A good shepherd will protect his flock. And so what we see is uh, God will provide a peaceful habitation for us. He's gonna provide a, a, a place that's full of shalom because there's a shepherd there who's gonna provide for his, his sheep. He's going to protect his sheep against the, the schemes of the predator, the enemy. So I'm telling you today, we have a reason to be at peace because we have a good shepherd who will guard his sheep and protect his sheep and take care of his sheep and provide for his sheep. So if you're here today and you feel like, man, God, I'm lacking provision and, and I feel incomplete and I feel insecure and I'm lacking peace because the provision, I'm telling you, there's no reason to worry because our God is a God of provision. Our Heavenly Father will provide for you. He'll take care of you when your heart is right before him. In Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8, we see Jesus calm the storms. He and the disciples are in a boat. And there's a huge storm that comes up, and he speaks, peace be still, to the storm, and it stops it. And I've heard sermons like this preached before. Where, where someone, a well-intentioned pastor, will say something like, God wants to calm the storms of your life. And then people pray prayers and say, God, heal my dad. And dad gets sick and dies anyway. Or, or God, save my marriage, and the marriage still ends in divorce. And so how do we reconcile that? And I would say this, just like Jesus said, our life is full of conflict. God is much less interested in calming the external storms in our life than he is in calming the storms of your heart. God is way more interested in fixing the storm in you than the storm that you are in because he is concerned about your heart first and foremost. So he may not quiet the storm that you're in, but he will always wants to calm the storm that's in you. In Numbers chapter six, we see Moses give instruction to Aaron about how to bless the nation of Israel, to literally say a blessing over them. And, and Aaron does that. And the blessing goes like this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And this is important. We won't get into depth with this, but what he's saying is it's important to walk in the Lord's blessing. The Lord wants to bless you. The Lord keeps you, he keeps you steadfast. That, that your salvation is not tenuous. He says the Lord make his face to shine upon you. This is talking about the glory of God. That God wants you to experience his glory and, and walk in that and be gracious to you. That, that God wants you to experience his graciousness. The Lord lift up his countenance on you. This is talking about the favor of the Lord. So he, he turns his face towards you and you get to experience his favor in that moment. And then he wraps this all up with and give you peace. This is what God wants for us, to experience his peace. So it comes back to, well, how does that happen? What does that look like? 
Isaiah 26, 3, we read it earlier. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The key to having peace in any situation, not this external peace, but a true internal peace, is trusting in God in every situation. It's saying, hey, I just got laid off today, but you know what? I know God's got this. I, I trust God. You know what? We're, ha we're having marriage issues. How are we going to get through this? I don't know. But man, I trust God. Man, my child is far from the Lord. I don't know if they're ever going to get saved, but you know what? I'm going to trust God. Every circumstance in our lives, just simply saying, God, I trust you. I trust that you are a good shepherd. I trust that, that when I put my hope in you, you're never going to let me down. So God, I'm, I'm just gonna trust you. This is when our, our minds are stayed on him. We think about the things we love. So when we put our hope and our faith and our trust in God, we're gonna begin to think about him more, trust him more, love him more. And then what happens is peace is birthed in that moment. We begin to experience it. We walk through situations and our friends are gonna say things like, how in the world can you be so calm about this? How in the world are you not freaking out about this? And it's by simply saying, I trust God. That's how we experience shalom. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so good to us. And God, we ask today that you would let peace rain down on this place, God. God, we don't want just a lack of conflict externally, but God, we're praying for a lack of conflict internally today. I pray for peace in this place. I pray for every person who's here, who's walked in here with anxiety, with fear, with doubt. They're stressed out about their finances, about their relationships. They're worried, they're trying to figure out how to fix it. God, let today be the day that we would surrender all those things. We would lay it at your feet and we would fully trust you in our situations and circumstances. God, I pray as we do, God, we would experience your peace like never before. I pray that there would be people in this room and people listening online, that they would be able to sleep tonight and they'd sleep well for the first time, maybe in years, because your peace is with them and in them. God, I pray as we release these situations to you, God, I pray that, that even in this room, we would imagine letting go of those situations, letting go of those circumstances, letting go of the finances, the relationships, and laying them down and just saying, God, we trust you with them. And as we do, let us experience true peace in this place. God, I pray that it wouldn't be based on a circumstance, but it would be based totally and wholly on you. God, let us walk in completion, in your wholeness, lacking nothing. So God, speak to us in this place. Remind us of who you are. Remind us that you are the good shepherd, that, that there is nothing we will lack that we need, that God, you'll provide for us, that God, you, we will be protected by the, from the schemes of the enemy in our lives because you're a good shepherd. So God, have your way with us in these moments. God, I pray for those that are here that don't know you, they've never surrendered their lives to you, and as a result, they don't really know true peace. Let today be the day that they would trust you with their salvation, with their heart, and let them experience the peace that passes all understanding. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed and nobody's looking around, I just wanna ask you, if you're here today and you recognize that, that you're not really walking with the Lord, just like we read earlier, maybe you're not keeping his commands, you're kind of doing your own thing and as a result, you're lacking peace. God's not mad at you today. He wants you to experience his peace. 
He wants to bring you into right relationship. So if you're here today and, and you're struggling with that, maybe you recognize you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. I'm not gonna embarrass you or, or make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you. So if that's you, would you be bold enough in this place to raise your hand real high and say, Mel, pray for me. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. I wanna experience the peace that you're talking about. Yeah, thank you. I see you on my left over here. Yeah, thank you, up in the balcony, I see you. Who else would say, Mel, pray for me, that's me. Yeah, thanks on my left, I see you over there. Yeah, thank you, a couple hands by the sound booth. Thank you so much, praise God. Just a few more seconds, anyone else wanna join these? Yeah, up in the balcony. Thank you. I'd like every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. Repeat after me, say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life is yours. Use it for your glory. As I learn to trust you, help me walk in peace that lasts forever. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today, can't we? We serve an incredibly good God. I want you to know today, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you're a new creation today. That, that this is the beginning of your walk with Christ and we wanna help you take the next step. We wanna help you get discipled and grow in your faith and become who God dreams for you to be. So the simplest thing for you to do is take the card out of the seat back in front of you, fill it out. On one side it says need prayer, on the other side it says salvation. Fill out the side of the card that says salvation and take it over to our information center in the lobby. Give it to them. They're gonna give you a, a free Bible to help you on your journey. We're gonna get you connected with resources. They're gonna help you grow. So please take advantage of that. We would love to help you. If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer with us today, just know we are so proud of you. We're so excited for you. And we wanna help you take the next step as well. So if you prayed that prayer with us, simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. When you do that, we're gonna respond back to you and we're gonna help you take the next step as well. So thank you for being with us today at Summit Church. Uh, here's what's gonna happen right now. I wanna pray a final prayer over you. And while I'm doing that, I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come up and they'll be here at the front of this room. And if you're here today and you need prayer for any reason at all, no matter what it may be, I would encourage you when we dismiss in just a moment, uh, come forward, find one of them and let them agree with you in prayer. No matter what's going on in your life, maybe you need peace. Maybe you're here today and you need a physical healing in your body. Maybe there's a relationship issue that you want them, somebody to pray with you about. We're here to agree with you and believe that God's gonna restore and, and take care of every situation in your life. We believe that our God can do that. So please take advantage of that. And if you um, are not interested in coming forward for prayer, that's fine. You can feel free to be dismissed in just a moment. But when you exit the building, please do so reverently so that we don't disrupt what God's doing here at the front of this room. So let me pray a final prayer over you and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much that we can trust you. And as we trust you, God, we can, we can experience peace in our hearts. So Lord, I pray that the peace we carry with us today would not be a peace like the world has, but God, let it be the peace of Christ that, that endures circumstances. So God, I pray right now that you would help us walk in that, help us abide in that. And I pray as we leave here today, God, into the chaos of this season, God, we would have the peace of knowing we are sons and daughters of God. And I pray that that would make a difference in the people around us. As they see us endure suffering, endure trials, endure, endure difficulty well, we're gonna be able to talk about the peace we have that comes from trusting God. So God, have your way among us today. Be glorified in and through us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I want to bless you with the, with the uh, priestly blessing that Aaron blessed the nation of Israel with. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. I love you more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a Merry Christmas.